This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric with Bucket Talk Powered by Brunt. This week, we are here with Lauren Scott. Lauren Scott is part of the pit crew for BJ McLeod Motorsports. But before we jump into the interview with her, Eric? All right. So let's talk about what happened this past week and past weekend. As many of you know from prior episodes, we did our first NASCAR debut up in New Hampshire Motor Speedway a few weeks ago. We decided from a Brunt perspective, we were going to double down on that and go to the World Center of Racing, Daytona Motor Speedway. And so this past weekend, the team and a small group of Brunt friends and family were going to Daytona. A few days before the race, my four-year-old son gets kicked out of daycare for projectile <laughs> vomiting all over the place. And a virus ran through his entire daycare, keeping him home. And then my wife ended up getting it. I ended up getting it. So, you know, childhood dreams of going to the Daytona Motor Speedway to see not only NASCAR, but see Brun on a NASCAR were uh, unfortunately put on hold. And Jeremy and the team ended up going down and pulling through. Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah, what you first, guys got into? First off, I can't believe you trusted me to go by myself. But secondly, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I've never been to Daytona. Florida's hot for us northern boys, so we were sweating like pigs down there. But <laughs> yeah, they had a whole bunch of vendors out there and everything. We were drinking Bush Light beer the entire time and got to go into the infield. Got to see Mason again, obviously. And everybody was pumped to race that day. But then we ended up with a rain delay that eventually ended that racing for the night. So we all had to push our travel arrangements back. We came back the next morning. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Sun was shining. Great. And then we finished top 25. Yep, uh, yep. Mason did a good job that day. Avoided a wreck. I was watching them from my couch. I was watching <laughs> Instagram stories and posts and on TV living vicariously through you guys. Yeah, I was super pumped. I mean, there's so much history down there. It's a little bit different of a venue. It's a huge venue. The whole strip is lined with restaurants and bars, and it's all catering towards the NASCAR scene. And then the night race, I guess, had a massive wreck. The whole front of the field really? wiped out. We didn't end up staying for that, but that would have been one hell of a race Oof. to see. And how was it? Because last time we crashed relatively early in New Hampshire, how was it to sit up on the pit box and see the whole the whole? It show was unbelievable. From- so you're sitting right behind the crew chief, and so you get to see the the cars pit. You see the uh, tires come off, lug nuts flying. Some come in for just fuel. There was a couple of wrecks that day, so they're coming in, cutting panels off, you know, throwing tape on them, sending them back out. Tires, it was unbelievable. There was just a lot of damage, so it was good. We had a great time, and you know, it's awesome getting to to be down in the pits and seeing what they do on a daily basis. And that's why we had this interview with Lauren, because it's a whole nother ball game of mechanics. I mean, these guys are athletes and they're just really getting into it. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Glad you guys actually made it back home safe. No big issues, <laughs> no challenges, no fights, no missed flights. So know, it was right? good to see you guys a little tired come Monday morning, but you know what? <laughs> Hopefully I'll get to Daytona sometime in the future and I'm pumped we got to do it and you guys got to experience it and I got to live through it on Instagram pretty much and TV. So, and all right. So awesome. Let's get into it with Lauren Scott. Let's jump over. All right. Today we're here with Lauren Scott. Lauren Scott pits for BJ McLeod Motorsports. 
And Lauren, welcome to the podcast. And please tell us where the heart of racing is. Everything racing is in Mooresville, North Carolina, whether it be drag racing. Uh, area North Carolina is the world headquarters, if you want to call it that. Shoot. Well, like, so what was the training like? And then how did you get picked up? Like, so you clearly go on to UTI for school. Yep. And then they'll teach you all that stuff. But clearly it's specialized. So, you know, anybody who's watching the NASCAR race, most of the pit crew mechanics and what have you, they're now like D1 athletes that they've changed over. Like, how does a, how does a wrench turner actually get on in the pits? So, like I said, growing up and working around cars, I kind of had a little bit of a head start when I moved down there. Um, if you go in and talk to like, I can't remember the name of the program, like the motorsport office or something like that in school, they've got like a list of people who need help. And most of them are just looking for people, you know, to help clean up, help clean cars when they come back from the racetrack and stuff like that. And there was a late model team looking for help. And so I started talking to him and went up and worked for him when I wasn't working at O'Reilly's or in, in class. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door down in North Carolina. And then, so I was working with the, the late model team and one of my friends was like, Hey, this, this truck team, you know, they're looking for help too. And so it's really just kind of a, I don't want to say who you know. Once you get your foot in the door and you start to meet people, so many more opportunities open up. Like That's awesome. So let's just say this is their passion, other than the fact that they haven't been racing or wrenching, which it seems like, you know, talking to some of the drivers, they got almost as much driving experience as they do years on the earth. It's right. like, you know, how old's a driver? They're like 24. How long you've been racing for? They're 24 years. You're like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> So for somebody trying to get in is like UTI, there's some other programs out there. Is that probably the best way? And still wanted to say, you know, I would have gone to University of North Northwestern Ohio, you know. Um, the only reason why I say that is because when you go to UTI, you don't get a degree. You basically, all you get is a piece of paper that says, Yes, so-and-so completed this course at this school at this time. That's it. There's no, like, college credits or anything like that. UNO is, depending on how you do it, you can get your associates in business at the same time as going through all the motorsports. I think that would be more beneficial. And anyone I've ever met from UNO, they work really well around a race car. They know what they're doing, and I think that's part of that school. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring it up because I was looking at continuing my education and getting a degree, and I think I was in the same boat as you. I spent a lot of money on schooling, but the, it didn't really yield anything other than that certificate, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't really mean anything to an employer or what have you. It's more about experience and exposure. But I did notice that in the upper Midwest, you have Ford, General Motors, all those areas. There's a ton of colleges that actually have automotive programs, automotive engineering programs. So I think that if that's your passion and, and you do want to continue your education in 
motorsports or mechanics or automotive design or what have you, that's probably the best area to look, I would assume. No, I, I would totally agree with that. And especially with the new generation of people coming through and racing, the stigma around NASCAR, it's always the good old boys. I don't want to say they're turning away from that, but they're turning more towards the engineering side. I'm sure everybody who pays attention to NASCAR, you know, the next-gen cars that are coming out, the big teams and stuff like that, they want in. So if you really want to set yourself apart and put yourself in a better position, definitely go to school for motorsport engineering and mechanics. Yeah, I guess that's a high-level takeaway, too, because... That was what I was seeing with my career as a line mechanic at an independent shop was the fact that the days of the old grease monkey are kind of few and far between. Those guys kind of fade themselves out. I loved working with those guys. They had plenty of knowledge and, and what have you. But I mean, if from a mechanic standpoint and from a NASCAR standpoint, they've kind of meld. But you got Tesla, you got all these companies coming out with so much more electronics, so much more computer diagnostics. Everything is using CAN systems and all this stuff. It's not even wires anymore. It's just module communication. And you're 100% right. I mean, at some point in time, if you have a mom and pop shop, you might even have to look into to hiring a programmer. With GM and, and what have you, I was programming window switches for operation versus like just put it in power and ground done. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're at two laptops on my toolbox. And that was my day in day out being able to read data and process data. So yeah, I could see how it definitely, there's a lot more science behind it now with NASCAR than it was just, you know, getting out there and racing and ripping tires off and putting them back on and, exactly. you know, let's go. Yeah. Like I said, most of our race cars now, like our Xfinity electronics, we still run carburetors, distributors, all that stuff. The cup cars and the trucks, they're all EFI, um, electronic fuel injection. So there's a lot more. The Xfinity series, kind of the last ones that still run carburetors and stuff. Uh, I mean, you've got your late models and they still run carburetors. But again, for how much longer, you know, everything's changing so fast. Yeah, I mean, the carburetor shops around us, they there are few and far between some 70 year old guy who's been doing it for years and you know parts are hard to get and you go on summit and you buy a holly or an edelbrock and then you just bolt it on and they're all really the same but like when it came to restoring older cars and i am i correct you have a couple of mustangs i do that I do. you know so for for that the parts are cheaper i don't know it's it's old science and it's cool but yeah the new wave is coming along and it's definitely getting in depth. Very much. So, Lauren, where do you see yourself in like a year, a couple of years? I mean, your pit crew, everything's great. You love it. You're on the road all the time. But there's got to be a direction that you potentially want to go or something that you're looking to do. What were you thinking? So, ultimately, I would like to end up being kind of just at the shop. At least, you know, within the next couple of years, I've been traveling since 2015, uh, 36 weeks a year. That's a lot of time on the road, you know. I, I enjoy my time at home. When I'm home, the very few days a week that I am, you know, I'm always like, dang, I already got to go on the road again. So maybe something more to home and, and not traveling so much would be a good fit. 
I can definitely relate to that. I can relate to my time in the military. I had like a great time. I was always out to sea. I was always seeing all sorts of cool places and stuff. But then I was like, hey, I wanted to, you know, build a family and kind of settle down a little bit. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to hone in my skills in mechanics and kind of find a spot where I could set up and you know, have a nine to five, be home all the time. Being on the road, it's great. It's awesome, but it does. Yeah. You, sometimes you might feel like a gypsy at some point, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like you said, you know, starting a family and stuff like that. I've got a girlfriend and you know, she loves when I'm home. She hates when I'm gone. So I know she would like, if I came off the road, and stuck around home a little more, that'll come up. Um, that's awesome. I love the story. It's great. But I really want to hear what a day in the life is. You guys are getting ready to go to Daytona. What does Lauren have to do to get ready, get there? And then what is your operations throughout the race there? And then all the way home. How does that look like? Yeah. Okay. So like last week we were in Michigan. We got home Saturday night had our Sunday off, Sunday to relax. Monday morning, and it's right back to it. Started around 7 a.m., and we've got a, we switch cars. We don't take the same one every week. So Daytona is this week. Swap everything over to our Speedway cars. My job is interior and underneath. So I put the seats in. I put um, all the safety equipment inside the car and also put the rear gear in, pack hubs, things like that. That kind of takes head to the dyno Tuesday afternoon. Uh, make sure. Then we come back to the shop. We run through our setups and make sure the car is it's set up how it's supposed to. We have different springs for different racetracks, different setups for different aero packages and things like that. So we've got to make sure everything is working together to get us around two and a half mile Daytona track. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking, we're looking forward to have it. Have you ever been there? No. It is a gorgeous facility, one. Um, but it is, like you see it on TV and it's like, oh yeah, it's cool, that's Daytona. Then you get there. It is huge. You can almost like not see the other end if you're standing on one end. Like it is a big <laughs> racetrack, but it's just cool. You know, if you think about the history and there's a lot of tracks like this that, you know, you think of the history that's gone on and you're building something to go to that racetrack. You know, you're putting your work on the racetrack. It's a really cool feeling. So some races we fly, some races we drive. This one's a pretty close one for us. It's only about six and a half, seven hours away. So we'll drive to this one. This week, it's a Friday night race. So we'll get down here Thursday night, Thursday afternoon, hang out. Friday morning, we'll go to the racetrack, push through tech, and push out to pit road. We have three cars, but we're not a big team. We, we have not employees as a big team. So we all kind of pitch in and do a bunch of different things, you know. So we'll set up the pit boxes. We'll we'll glue our lug nuts up and get everything ready for the race on pit road. And then it's race time. Yeah. 
this is where I got to see the inner workings of it at the last race. And I think the first thing that Mason's agent Philip had said to me was watch out for flying lug nuts when you're down in the pit. And that was cool. Having a young team. I know Mason Massey was our driver. I got to meet him. He was, you know, unbelievable guy, stand up guy. Same with BJ. And I, I'm sure it's pretty exciting to work with a younger group and try to establish yourself. And I'm sure the wins are surreal and, but it gives you kind of a goal to get somewhere that you feel you're part of building something. You know what I mean? Right. It's definitely a lot of fun. We do have a lot of younger kids on our team. And it's cool to help them, you know, learn and get better as mechanics and stuff like that, you know. And it's really cool to watch them learn and watch them get better as well. Yeah. Tell them to keep the tires on the car. I mean, it's kind of... (laughs) Been the, been the same struggle that we have at the shop when you get the new guy come in and you're just walking through the basics. And it's funny to get back to basics yourself and, and realize you can look at it in a different light. And you're like, I remember when I was this age and I didn't torque the wheels down properly or evenly or forgot to put the filter on or whatever. And you just see them make the mistakes that you made and kind of help them get through that entry level stuff is to some degree rewarding and you got to kind of empower the, the youth because I feel like that was one of the biggest issues our industry combined had faced was is a lot of people kept the knowledge to themselves and didn't really want to help. And at the same time, it was a struggle to, you know, get somebody to teach you. So it's nice to be able to be part of a newer generation that's willing to give up the information, willing to help, willing to be a part of the day-to-day activity. So it sounds like, you know, you get a chance to do that and bring up the next generation of mechanics and even down to the drivers. I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge when it comes to being a driver that a younger driver coming up might actually learn tips and tricks from you. Yeah. As far as the driving stuff, never really got in a stock car, you know, growing up, I played hockey and lacrosse. Racing's expensive, you know? As far as being, and by no means there are people who have been doing this for 20, 30 years, you know, you can always help the new kids and help them learn. Yeah, you might mess up, but it's all right. You know, we'll get through it. Hopefully it's nothing major, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's definitely one of the big takeaways is try to minimize the damage and get through it. And yeah, so let's talk about your physical fitness. So I watch these men and women in the pits and I see them just hustling and they all are for the most part in good physical condition. Is that something that you got to be, you know, in tip top shape to be able to compete at a a professional level? I think it plays a big part of it for, for sure. There is a lot of physical labor. As with any trade, especially pit crews, you know, your tire changers, your jack, tire carriers, you do have to be in pretty good shape. It's a lot of work. And it might be only be for, you know, 15 to 20 seconds at a time. But those 15 to 20 seconds are like as fast as you can go, but also doing it right and correctly and 100% the whole time. So you got to be mentally sharp as well as physically fit to be able to carry out, you know, and do your job. 
Yeah, and for those who aren't familiar with NASCAR, when a car comes into pit, whether they're damaged or whether they need a tire change out, fuel, what have you, you and your team need to get it done as quickly as possible to get that car back out there to maintain position throughout the race. That's a big part of being on pit road and being efficient and being quick. And like I said, you got to be in shape and sharp to get all that stuff done efficiently. When Mason had uh, wrecked in Loudon, I noticed that everybody was on the wall waiting for Mason to pit. And you had a sawzall. Other people had different tools. Somebody was body slamming the hood of the car. I mean, it was chaos. But outside looking in, it seemed controlled. It was cool. Everybody had a job. You know, the hood came open. You were looking down there to see what was going wrong. I guess at that time, we broke a fitting off the radiator. So, you know, that's kind of what knocked us out then. But, you know, somebody was taping the hood closed. Everybody had a job. Everybody knew what to do. And I feel like you guys practicing all the time and having a cohesive team is really one of the biggest, you know, aspects of running a NASCAR car. So we'll take that one, the New Hampshire thing for instance. When he came down pit road, he had got rear-ended and pushed into somebody else or he hit somebody else. Can't remember quite what happened during the wreck, but when he came down pit road, the radiator, the fitting on the radiator had been broken off and it spit water out. And, uh, but the bumper bars, because they're all tube chassis, the front stuff that holds the nose in place um it's solid but it's meant to give so when you do hit something they bend or when they bend they can get they can interfere with how the the suspension can travel and stuff like that so i had a saw to jump over and cut the bumper bars out where they needed to be so they didn't rub the tires cut a tire down and uh, so while I was doing that, you know, they were opening the hood to look and make sure everything under there was all good. You know, it, it takes definitely a team effort to make sure everything, the tires are just a gas and go or fixing crash damage. Everyone and sometimes you might need more than one person to get the hood to close. Sometimes it's really easy. It just It's a wreck by wreck. It's all kind of individual, but once we actually see it, we can work out a plan to fix it, but it has to be like the quickest plan you've ever made, you know? Yeah, yeah. little mental clarity in an emergency situation. I mean, it looked like you had taken charge in that instance and, you know, whether by design or by default, you handled it very well. I mean, granted, we couldn't get back out there, but understanding yeah, a little bit of and that, I wish we could have too. <laughs> hey, it was fun. I, I had a blast. I was like a kid in a candy store. It was awesome. But let's move into the next point. So this podcast has been all about NASCAR and let's just lighten it up a little bit. And what does Lauren like to do on her spare time? You got the Mustangs. I know you're into motorcycles and other <laughs> motorsports. Like, what do you do to unwind on your days off? What really gets you going? Well, days off and stuff like that, if I've got something to do on one of my personal cars, I definitely knock that out pretty quickly, usually the first thing in the day. If not, if it's just kind of like a, just a Sunday, we're not really doing much, you know, uh, we'll just hang out, have some friends over, cook, 
have a couple beers and just relax. You know, we don't get a lot of time to relax. So when we do, we definitely take advantage of it. But I'd say, let's say, I, like I said, I love working on my cars. We're actually pulling the motor out of my very first car, and we're going to put a new one in it here in a couple weeks. Just the same stock stuff, but it was the first car. It's a 2000 Toyota Celica. It's nothing special, but it was the first car I ever put my own money into and ever, you know, really, I don't want to say built, you know, it's just, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, I was working at a grocery store, didn't have a lot of money. So did what I could, you know, lowered it a little bit, put some wheels on it. I built it. I spent my own money on it. So I'm trying to bring it back. The I'm, motor is blown up. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, it, so. I remember those days. I mean, it was like you wanted to dive into your vehicle. You're 18 years old. You're like, what can I do? And you didn't really have any know-how. So you're putting in a radio or, right. you know, like yep. you said, <laughs> rims and tires. Might even put an underglow kit on it. Who knows? It yep. was the times we grew up in. It was just putting around on your own stuff. And the nostalgia factor, absolutely. It also sounds like, granted, racing seems like a pretty substantial part of your year, but it seems like you've created a uh, a nice family there. I had done the same in the military that, like, you really couldn't get away from those people. You're barbecuing with the same people. You're going out to the movies with the same people. So it's nice to kind of have that family that, you know, bar fight breaks out. Somebody's got your back. It doesn't matter. It but yeah, be- no, and, and 100%, 100% our team, like... A lot of us have been together for three, going on four years now, and we're all really tight-knit. The new kid comes in, you know, we give him a bunch of shit for the first three, four weeks, and, you know, he starts to kind of prove himself. We'll still give him shit because, you know, that's what you do with brothers and sisters. You give him shit, right? Low man. Yeah. And so, no, we're, like I said, we might argue and get mad at each other during the week or on the weekends at the racetrack but Sunday afternoon comes we all get together have a couple beers hang out it's always a good time it's good to be able to work around in an environment like that I don't think you get that environment or that family sense in many other places we're with each other 36 weeks a year if not more every day you have the same similarities you, you have the same interests you grow together you eat sleep and essentially breathe together it's a cool lifestyle to some extent wish i went into it but there's like a million different things i wish i went into yeah, too, I'm so. the same way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's but, part of being yeah. a mechanic you know you're like oh this is cool oh this is cool like i don't think there's one of us who doesn't have adhd you know, like we're so <laughs> yeah. all over the place all the time, but somehow we still get what we need to get done and have a good time doing it. If anybody's listening that wants to be a mechanic, that's one of the coolest things is, is the fact that like I've had multiple career changes as a mechanic. I went from being a mechanic in the military, working on boats. That was what I did. I mean, I'm at marine mechanic schools. We're out on the water you know, changing out generators and working on big locomotive engines that, you know, are in some of these bigger ships. So that was cool. And ADHD kicks in, routine, all that stuff. And I'm like, I want to change. 
I was able to transfer those skills to automotive. And then, you know, now I own a farm. So there's now tractors and hay conveyors and all this stuff. Even if mechanics isn't what you want to do long-term or you decide that, you know, I've had enough of flat rate or just in general, I mean, you could always take those skills and apply them somewhere else and you will be successful in what you do. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. You know, they might look different. One might float on water, one might fly through the air, one might drive on an interstate, one might go 200 mile an hour on a racetrack. They're all have the same basics. They're all easily transferable from one to the other. The engine is always going to be an engine. Those are never going to change. Gas or a diesel there's only one way for them to run and if it's not doing that it's not going to run doesn't matter what it's carrying (laughs) that's you know it doesn't matter if it's a truck (laughs) or a plane and that's where we step in to fix it so we're wrapping this up and you know you guys are on your way down to daytona we're going to see you down there so that's going to be awesome but i did want to take this time to let you say anything, mention anybody that has mentored you or brought you up, and then we'll come to a close here. The biggest challenge is getting someone to give you a shot, especially being a female and in a very male-dominated sport. It took me a minute to get my foot in the door, but once I did, um, just work your ass off and prove to people that you know what you're doing and you deserve to be there just like they do. And, uh, Jen Joe Cobb gave me my first start, and um, that was really awesome. And then BJ saw that as well. I had helped him on his cup cars when I was working in the cup series, did all of his interiors for him, and then I was looking for a job, and he, you know, he kind of helped me out too. Um, He's he's always been a great guy. uh, Yeah, it was definitely a pleasure to meet all your teammates and BJ and, you know, Mason, Mason's father. I look forward to all of that. And even Philip, Philip is hysterical. Once again, thank you. And I appreciate you being on Bucket Talk and kind of shed some light into NASCAR and motorsports and being a female in the industry. I think that that's big. I got, you know, a little girl, you know, I hope that there are no barriers she needs to face when she wants to do something. So to empower our brothers and sisters in the trade to do this is huge. It's absolutely huge. Definitely. definitely. So I thank you. Yeah, of course. So, all right. Well, I will see you down in Daytona. And thanks again. This was awesome. Of course.